You may please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke. We're at the beginning of chapter 6 this morning, verses 1 down to 11 is where we'll be. Wasn't that good singing this morning? That, that song, I, I love that last song, especially that we, we sang there. Boy, that just gets me going. And I hope you enjoyed that special. The choir really worked on that for a while, but they did a great job, I thought. And it, it brings back memories of having the Beermans here because they introduced that song to us. We've been working on it since then, so I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that we were able to sing that in church. Luke chapter 6, and we are going to look at verses 1 to 11 by the grace of God. However, I would like to begin right in the middle, verse number 5, because this is the pivotal statement that is made in this passage. He said unto them, verse 5, that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, just from that statement, you already know what we're going to be focusing on in the passage. There's going to be a lot of mention about the Sabbath. And, of course, the Pharisees and scribes were confused as to how much emphasis and how to understand the Sabbath properly. What Jesus is saying here, and, and every time I've heard somebody preach this passage, this is always what they talk about, and, and it's true, this is Jesus making a divine claim. He is claiming not just to be a prophet or a great teacher, he's claiming to be deity. Not just the Messiah by himself, but now he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He, he created the Sabbath. The Sabbath didn't create him. He's giving himself a very exalted title, Son of Man. You can link this back to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. There is a specific prophecy in the book of Daniel that talks about the Son of Man coming, ruling over God's kingdom forever, that that would be an, an eternal kingdom. So Jesus is linking himself to that divine prophecy, and that is a very important statement. It's something you should recognize in the passage. However, I did not want to come this morning and simply offer up that observation and that explanation. I'd like to make some application with this passage today, not just give you that one uh, slightly deep theological lesson. So that being said, we will take a look at all of these verses around it, but let's bow our heads and pray, and then we'll dive into something more practical. Father, we thank you for the great singing this morning. Thank you for these people that have come, and I do pray now that you prepare their hearts Prepare mine, Lord. Prepare my lips. Help me to say only that which the Holy Spirit would have me say. And Lord, I pray that you'd open our ears today. Let us hear from you. Let us walk away knowing just how important you are. A better sense of it at least, Lord. As much as we as humans can grasp. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The claim that he makes in verse 5 is a tremendous claim. He is deity. He is divine. He's the creator of the Sabbath. But if we can make it real practical, He is more important than the Sabbath. That's the practical thought I want to give you today. He is more important than the Sabbath. So the title of my lesson or sermon this morning is, What's More Important? What is more important? In verses 1 down to 4, Jesus will address this Sabbath question, and He gives an explanation from the Old Testament. And I'm going to walk you through those verses just now. But can we begin reading in verse number 6? It says, It came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. So you understand what that means. His hand was curled up like this, right? It's withered like that. 
Verse 7, And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. Isn't that horrible? They came to their version of church, the synagogue, but not to learn anything. They didn't come to, with an open mind and a ready heart to be convinced by something God might teach them. They had already determined in their minds, this Jesus guy is wrong. And now all they can do is look for something to nitpick. Verse number 8, but he knew their thoughts. Isn't that a statement? You know, he's, that's still true. That's still true. Verse 8, he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. I seriously doubt that this man with this issue thought that he would become the sermon illustration for, for the day. Jesus taught the lesson, verses 1 to 4. Now he's offering up this human illustration of what is more important. So verse number 9, Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Well, that's a good question. It's a very simple question, isn't it? There's nothing deep about this. What he's about to do is is help somebody. It's always right to do that. Verse 10, And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole as the other. You know, that man got a few things straightened out that morning. And I mean that literally. That thing was curled up and he got it straightened out. You know, there are people coming to church, they just need to get some things straightened out. And they don't need the nitpicky, small details of the Sabbath to do that. They need a personal interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11, and they were filled with madness. Now, you would think that they would be filled with joy. This man, we don't know how long he had that condition, probably his whole life. What a joyous day. Shouldn't we rejoice with those that do rejoice? Shouldn't we be leaping for joy going, this is wonderful. Not only have we seen a miracle, and this is probably the Messiah in our midst, but this guy just got some tremendous help. But rather, they went away with a bad attitude. It says they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. They could not find any pleasure, any joy, any comfort, any learning in what had happened there. Why? Because they did not know what was more important. This man getting help is more important than keeping the Sabbath. Let's say it this way, more important than their version of keeping the Sabbath. But they had forgotten that God has two main commands. They asked Jesus at one point, didn't they? What is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, if you were a Pharisee or a scribe, you would be tempted to say the Sabbath. Jesus, as he always does, he has such a smart answer. He said the greatest of all the commandments is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the law and the prophets. You see, from those two commandments flow the Ten Commandments. The first four of the Ten Commandments speak to loving God, and the last six speak to loving your your neighbor. And from those ten flow the 613 laws that comprise the Old Testament. All of them fit under the heading of love God and love your neighbor. They had forgotten what was truly important. They were straining at a gnat and swallowing the camel. 
And I believe what Jesus is getting across in this passage is, guys, please don't forget what's ultimately important. What is more important? Let's come back to verse 1. Now that we've, we've looked at the living illustration, let's look at the explanation Jesus gives. In verse 1, it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat rubbing them in their hands. So they grab a mealy, as you guys would say, I would say an ear of corn. They grab a mealy and they rub, you know, I've always called them whiskers. What do you guys call it? When you peel it back and it has all those whiskers, what do you call that? What do you call it? A bart? Hey, I like that. The mealy has a bart. <laughs> okay, you have to rub that stuff, that hoot that, that off of it, so that you can eat it. So they're just rubbing it in their hands like that. Verse 2, And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? Now, pause just for a moment. Technically speaking, they've done nothing wrong. There is nothing in the Old Testament law against what Jesus and the disciples have done in this passage. You go back to the Old Testament, you can walk through somebody else's cornfield and take a mealy. That is not even stealing. You cannot cut down the stalks of corn. Now you're harvesting in his field. That, you're a thief. But you're allowed to grab one ear of corn if you're hungry and take it. So that's not, they're not stealing. Furthermore, on the Sabbath day, you're not allowed to start a fire. You cannot cook. That's Exodus chapter 35. But they're not cooking. They're not burning this mealy in any way. All they're doing is taking it off the stalk, cleaning it with their hands so that they can eat it. There's nothing in the law against that. You're not allowed to harvest. You can't go out into the fields and cut down the, the fruit or the corn so that you could sell it in the market. That would be for profit. That was wrong. But that, that's not what they're doing. So Jesus could have taken the technical route here and said, guys, let me go back to Deuteronomy and Exodus and let me show you that what we're doing is okay. But he didn't. He rather says this in verse 3. And Jesus answering them said, Have you not read so much as this? I like that phrase. Have you not read even this? He, he could have just said, Haven't you read this? But he said, Haven't you read so much as this? Guys, haven't you read at least this much of your Bible? Uh, so many times I, when I read how Jesus presented things, you can see here and there he, he can on occasion have a sharp tongue. Because this cuts. This is almost bordering on sarcastic to say, guys, come on. You are the experts of the law. Scribes and Pharisees, that's what they are. Experts of the law. Haven't you read even this part of your Bible? And then he gives them a biblical uh, illustration. What David did when himself was in hungered and they which were with him. How he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them which were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest alone. He says, guys, in the Old Testament, <clears throat> sorry, there's a story, there's an example, where even though the Sabbath is to be, um, let's say, kept, it is to be recognized, the showbread is a sacred thing, the priesthood is a sacred thing, these are things established by God, even these things, there are laws that says a, a, a man who is not a Levite should not be in there eating that bread. But even David was an exception to that. There are times when you put the rules aside because the man is more important than the rules. When David showed up at the temple 
And the high priest said, what are you here for? He says, I'm on the king's business. He says, I'm here under authority. And my mission required haste, so I didn't get to take any food. And in this case, under these circumstances, David is more important than the bread. Now, what's, why would Jesus give this illustration? If David is more important than the bread, and it's okay under these circumstances to put the law aside and make sure David is taken care of, it brings out verse 5. He said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Guys, there are some times that you've got to... Jesus is not saying the Sabbath is not important. He's not saying that the showbread is not important. The priest is not important. Jesus didn't say that. What he says is David is more important than the showbread. And the ultimate point, I, Jesus says, I am more important than the Sabbath. What the Jews had done, and if if I can ask you to hold your place here in Luke, come back to Matthew chapter 12. I want you to see in a couple of other Gospels, there are a few extra pieces to this story. Matthew chapter 12. Now the story from verses 1 to 4 we have already read in Luke, but look at verse 5. There's some extra information here. Jesus also said this in verse 5, Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Are you allowed to work on the Sabbath according to the Old Testament? No. But the priest did. The priests were in there slaying the animals, offering them up on the altar. The priest had to work. So there are exceptions to these rules. God, when He gives His laws, He never gives laws to make your life more difficult. All of God's laws were given to point people towards God, how to love Him properly and how to love your neighbor properly. And therefore, in certain cases, before you jump to a quick conclusion and go, hey, you're eating corn, you must be doing something wrong. Stop and give it a fair shot. Ask the right questions. Is he really doing something wrong? Or is it just our nitpicking of the law that he's violating? Look at verse number 6. Jesus says, but I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. You know what he's telling them? Guys, I'm more important. What's wrong with the temple? Nothing. What's wrong with the Sabbath? If you're an Old Testament Jew, nothing. The showbread, the priest, nothing. There's nothing wrong with those things. But there's someone more important. That's his point. He's not telling you stop doing these other things. He's telling you I'm more important. What's more important than coming to church? Meeting with God. Too many times we separate God from the house of God. And we think by simply coming to the house of God, we have somehow made God happy. The house of God should be a conduit, right, that funnels you towards God. It's it's something that God has set up and instituted to help you walk with Him and learn about Him, right? Right? But so many times we separate the two and we kind of, church evolves almost and it morphs into this strange thing where if we come, we tick the box, we're done, we did our part, now God must be happy with us because we sat in a chair for an hour. And somehow God and the house of God become two separate things. They shouldn't be. You come to the house of God to meet with God, good, that's how it ought to be. But never let one compete against the other. And say, I've done the house of God thing, so therefore I don't need to walk with God the rest of the week. 
in this place is one greater than the temple. Verse 7, but if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Remember, this is what he told them to go and learn. He said, go and learn what this meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. This summed up what Jesus came to do to say, guys, your religion and your rituals is not going to make you right in the sight of God. God is after mercy. He wants to have mercy on you. He wants you to have mercy on others. That is what impresses God. That is what gets his attention. Not you going through the motions and keeping man-made traditions. You might gain man's approval by going through the motions, but not God's. He says, I desire mercy. I will have mercy. You know what they're doing to Jesus in this case? They grabbed an ear of corn, cleaned it, start to eat. There's no mercy involved in that. They just jumped to a a quick conclusion and said, you're violating our tradition, their version of the law. You're not having church the way we would do it. And there's no mercy involved at all. They didn't take time to ask questions to say, is this really wrong? Or is this maybe an exceptional case? And for Jesus, right, he is always the exception to the rule. If you, you can leave Matthew, keep holding Luke, but come, back to, or come over to Mark chapter 2. One more piece of information. You know what's more important than keeping the rules? Having a personal relationship with Christ. That's what's more important. You can tick all the boxes you want. That will not develop a personal relationship. What's more important? Now see, I'm speaking to the heart of why you came this morning. Why'd you come? Is this just another box to tick for the week? Or did you come seeking to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ and listen to Him, hear His Word, say, Lord, I can't go another day without Your presence. I, I, I want to learn more about You. That's what He desires. The knowledge of God, not burnt offerings. That's what we're supposed to go and learn. Mark chapter 2, this is the same story, but one additional piece of information in verse 27. And He said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. God says, I made the Sabbath for you. The Sabbath is there to serve you. But the way the Pharisees had twisted it, now they were serving the Sabbath. The Sabbath became their God. Does this mean the Sabbath is not important? No, it's important. God made it for man. You see how it is a tool that God set up to remind mankind That you need to take a break from everything else in the world and focus on God. Let me just give you a couple of verses about why, how important the Sabbath was. This is going to get more into a Bible study. You guys just listen. I'll read these verses to you. Exodus chapter 31 verse 17. Listen closely to this. God tells Israel, it is a sign, speaking about the Sabbath, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. Now let's just be clear, I'm giving you, this is teaching and not preaching right now. The Sabbath was given to the nation of Israel as a sign. It was not given to Gentiles. It was not given to the church. Nothing in the New Testament says we should worship on the Sabbath, okay? It was given to Israel as a sign. And in the book of Ezekiel, he says this, chapter 20 and verse 12, God said, moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, listen, listen to this part, 
that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. Why did he give them the Sabbath? So that you can know God. He says, that's why I gave it to you. All of God's laws, all of God's institutions, if you move this into the New Testament, the church, baptism, the Lord's Supper, the Nachmah, all of that, why do we have these things? Why do we sing the songs? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we pray? Why do we have, is it just to tick boxes? No. It is so that you can know the Lord who sanctifies you. Ezekiel chapter 20 and in verse 20 he says, Hallow my Sabbaths and they shall be a sign between me and you, speaking to Israel, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. So let's be clear, the Sabbath, right, first happened on the seventh day of creation week. You're all familiar with it. I'm sure you've read so much as this. (laughs) You've gotten through Genesis 1, right? You know that on the seventh day he rested. Now, in the mind of a Pharisee or a scribe, God has taken every Sabbath day off. Right? That God rested on the 14th day and the 21st day and the 28th day. Right? And, and Jesus is pointing out to them, they asked him at one stage, why are you working on the Sabbath? Why do you heal people on the Sabbath? He said, my Father worketh hitherto, and I work also. God took the first seventh day off, and then after that, he's been working ever since. Why? Because we are needy people. (laughs) We are needy people. Amen. I'll say an amen there for you. Amen. We need a lot of help. We need a lot of work. So Jesus said, my father's working. I'm going to keep working too. The Pharisees expected God to be taking every Saturday off. He said, no, I can't do that. They tried to make Jesus fit into their religious box. Jesus doesn't do that. Remember last week we talked about that bottle? you got to be flexible enough to change. They, they expected Jesus to fit into their box, and it wasn't going to work. How serious was the Sabbath? Have you read this part? Numbers chapter 15. I'm sure that's everybody's favorite chapter, but Numbers 15, there's a passage there that talks about sinning presumptuously. If you know that it's wrong and you do it anyway, then you are cut off from your people. You could die for that. And then the next story after that passage, is about a man going out on the Sabbath and picking up sticks. That's all he did. He went in the yard, he picked up some sticks. And the other Israelites saw him and they said, ooh, you you know that's wrong. He said, yeah, I know, but I just want to pick up some sticks. And they went and told Moses, and Moses brought it before the Lord and said, what do we do? He said, bring him before all the people, put him to death. For picking up sticks. That's how serious it was. That's incredibly serious. Now listen, he did it presumptuously. He knew it was wrong and did it anyway. It wasn't like he needed those sticks to save his life, right? That would have been an exceptional case. He was doing it because he wanted to do it. You know how many times we do things just because we want to do them? We don't even take time to think, what does God want me to do? You know what's more important? What I want to do. Yeah, I know God would probably want me to do this or that, but I don't feel like doing it, so I'll do what I want to do. What's more important? Now, the Sabbath is incredibly important. If you break it, purposely, you die. Now, if anybody wants to take you down the Hebrew roots path, we'd be having funerals every week. (laughs) Under the Old Testament law, if you purposely break the Sabbath, you die. 
What's more important, a personal relationship with Christ or the Sabbath? Relationship with Christ. So what do you think the penalty is if you don't have one of those? What's the penalty if you don't know Christ personally? It's not just physical death. One day you hear Him say, depart from me, I never knew you. It's an eternal punishment for not having that personal relationship, that new birth that brings you into union with Him. Now, as you've seen in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man. God rested on the seventh day, not that He needed the rest. He did that as an example so that He could say to us, listen, you need some time to take a break from your work and just concentrate on me. I'm more important than all that other stuff you're doing. I am the source of all that other stuff. I'm the reason you're doing all those other things. And you need to take time every week to be reminded of that. Right? That's the lesson that we learn from that. Can I tell you some other things God created for man? God also created marriage. Yeah? Adam, he brought forth Eve out of your womb. So we call her womb man, woman. <laughs> That's how she got the name. Your wife, right? That's something God gave you. Your kids. God set up the home, didn't He? Is family a good thing? Incredibly good. Your marriage, your kids, your home, your church. God created the church. Jesus said, I build my church. Jesus put this together. This wasn't a man-made idea. Your job. Is your job important? Hmm. Debatable, right? (laughs) It depends on how much I'm getting paid. (laughs) But listen, you need a job. You need to work. Yes? So nobody denies that all of these things are very important, and I'm giving you the short list. <clears throat> so what I'd like to do to close this sermon, you can take the word Sabbath out and take whatever you consider important and put it in there. God created the wife for the man. God created kids for the home. God created the church for the saints. You, you see what I'm going at here. Is it important? Is your family important? Yes. Your job important? Yes. Church important? Yes. All of those things important. We don't deny it. Jesus, nowhere in Luke chapter 6, you can go all through verses 1 through 11, nowhere does He say, don't keep the Sabbath. Jesus lived in the Old Testament. You understand that, right? When He dies, that starts the New Testament. So as an Old Testament Jew, He is keeping the Old Testament law the way it should be kept. Jesus is not saying the Sabbath isn't is not important. What he's saying is, I'm more important. So what you got to be careful of is taking your wife, your kids, your job, your church, and saying, well, God, I don't have to do this or that for you because this is more important. Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord even of that. The Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So whatever that important thing is that God created, you say, but this is a good thing. God gave this to me. God wants me to pay attention to it. Yes, but not at the sacrifice of your personal relationship with Him. That has to stay at the forefront. As Paul so rightly said it, that in all things, Jesus Christ might have the preeminence. The preeminence. Are you supposed to honor your father and mother? I'm, I'm looking at the young ones now. Yeah. 
Supposed to honor father and mother? Well, amen. I see some kids nodding. Good, good. I see some other kids nodding. <laughs> but you, you should, right? And you know what Jesus said when he showed up? He said, if you don't hate your father and mother, you can't be my disciple. What do we do with that? Does that mean father and mother are bad? No, it just means they're not, they're not as important as Jesus. Jesus is teaching one day in somebody's house and there was a massive crowd in the house and, and somebody comes and says, Master, Master, your, your mother and your brothers are outside. And Jesus stops the lesson. He says, these folks here that are doing the will of God and, do, and, and following the word of God, that's my mother, that's my sister, that's my brother. Do, does this mean Jesus despises mother and brethren? Does this mean he, he frowns on family? No. What he's saying is there's something more important. What's more important to you? Is it more important for you to tick those boxes? Or is it important for you to actually spend some time there at the Master's feet saying, Lord, all these other important things, I can push those things aside. I just want to be around you. I want to learn that lesson that you told those Pharisees about. Go ye and learn what this means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Lord, I want to know you. That's the most important thing. Nothing trumps that. Anything in your life that hinders you from knowing Him better needs to be shaved away. Needs to be pruned out so that you can bring forth more fruit. Let's all stand if you would please. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. I think it's a relatively simple lesson. It's a simple challenge. We could spend much time going through the Old Testament talking about the Sabbath. But I think the practical lesson of this passage is what's more important. You see, for those Jews, keeping the Sabbath was more important than knowing the Messiah. So what is that thing in your life that is more important than knowing the Messiah? Just what you can do in your mind is put Jesus on one side and that thing, whatever it is, that person on the other. And we're not saying that other person is bad or that other thing is bad. It just can't be as important as Christ. Jesus came to declare God to the people. He came so that people could know God personally. And they were too busy nitpicking about laws and traditions. Father, whatever it is in our lives that has become that idol that has stolen your preeminence, I pray you might point it out to us this morning. 
Each one of us, Lord, search us and try our hearts. Tell us where it is that we've begun to love those other things. Love them too much. Father, throughout this week, I pray you might remind us while we go about our jobs and our homes and our church, remind us of why we do it. Remind us of who gave it to us. Lord, you know us. We're so easily distracted. It's so easy to forget you because we we don't see you. We see these other things. Remind us throughout the week just how important you are. Thank you for coming and teaching us what you did. Help us, Lord, to give you that preeminence you deserve. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.